Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. We have been on a little break. I hope that gave you all adequate time to check out the three episodes that we released earlier um, last month. And the feedback has been really incredible. Thank you guys so much for listening, sharing, rating, reviewing, and all of the love notes that we've gotten. You guys are connecting with the content. Conversations are being had. Uh, My dream is coming true. So, so excited to be on this journey with you. So grateful for all of you who listen and engage with the show. Um, today's episode is a great one as they all are, but I'm so excited to introduce you to Miss Jasmine Carmen. She is from Australia, which is awesome. We connected here on Instagram, but a brief bio on Jasmine growing up in a Pentecostal Christian household during the nineties, two thousands purity movement, Jasmine experienced what she would class as a negative sex education. Fast forward to age 21 and her wedding night, she discovered penetrative sex was impossible. And after six years of pushing that under the carpet, discovered she had a condition known as vaginismus. Jasmine then embarked on a journey of rediscovering her sexuality and curing her condition. She is now on a mission to break the stigma and misconceptions around sex and pleasure and help people feel empowered through their sexuality. You guys have definitely heard me uh, use use the phrase or refer to purity culture before. And I have some some deeper conversations around that slated uh, for the near future. So stay tuned for that. But I do want to kind of just like float this out there. Whenever I hop onto a soapbox um, with a guest, (laughs) I am also inviting, consider that an invitation for you to reach out and share with me and engage on what your experience of a similar situation was. So for example, for you guys listening to Jasmine and I who have very similar backgrounds and um, experienced very similar things during our formative years around pleasure, sexuality, worthiness, our bodies, etc. Because of the way that we were raised, if you guys grew up in a similar way, but your experience was overwhelmingly positive and you feel that it shaped you and and set you up for success in your adult lives. I want to hear about that. It's really important to me that that all ranges of the spectrum are represented. That is the point of this show. It's to help everyone feel a little more seen, a little more heard, and uh, I want it to be relatable. So if you're listening and you're like, yeah, that's me because of, you know, spiritual or cultural kind of, you know, upbringing, 
that's great. If you're like, hey, I had a really different experience and I would love to share, send it on through. That's what we want. But this was such a great conversation. I really loved having Jasmine on. She is so lovely, such a girl's girl, super down to earth. Uh, We do dive into vaginismus, what that is, and the slightly non-traditional methods that she used to recover and heal her body and her relationship to sex and pleasure. And I just, I think that it's a really important um, conversation to have. So really grateful that she said yes to coming on the show and being so vulnerable and sharing so much uh, about her personal life. And I hope that you guys get a lot out of it. Uh, We also dive into virginity as a social construct at the end. So hit us up, give us your thoughts on that. If the word pussy makes you blush, go ahead and grab a cool cloth and we will see you on the other side. Jasmine has a really interesting story, which I, it's very deep and rich and I love it uh, a lot. She is currently a conscious sexuality coach and I, I love the, the phrase and the language around that. Um, but she started out, she had a background very similar to mine and we've touched on it a little bit in different episodes of the show so far, um, but grew up in a very Christian household and had um, a limited uh, sexual education experience. Um, so why don't we, why don't we start there so that we can kind of like get the background, get what your baseline was, and then work our way to where you are now in this gorgeous realm of conscious sexuality that you're diving into and helping people with. Okay. Um, so as you mentioned, I did come, do come from a, um, Christian background and I grew up in the church, um, very Pentecostal style. Um, excuse me, sorry. Um, so my, um, education around sex was very limited. Um, so I had the typical teachings that you do get from church, which is very, um, it was in the, um, nineties, two thousands era. So that was very purity culture, purity movement style teaching. It was the, um, don't have sex. Um, don't think anything sexual. Um, Joshua Harris was a big, uh, book that was being promoted to be read. Um, I you know, stating goodbye. Yeah, exactly. And for those of you who are not familiar, Joshua Harris was a homeschooled 20 year old virgin when he wrote that book. Um, yeah. And has since, as an adult, apologized for writing that book and putting it into the world. And he doesn't want his kids to read it. So yeah. I'm just I'm just putting that there. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was the whole like, okay, we don't date, we court. And if you are going to do anything, it's to end in marriage. You know, so a lot of pressure to like find the one Um straight up, um, in, in the dating scene of things. Um, and like for me, um, I had a very limited, um, experience from my parents teaching me about sex. Um, my mum did teach me about the practical side of things. Um, but the, the thing that I remember her telling me was, um, when you have sex, it's going to hurt. Mm. Yeah. And, and for me that like, that stuck with me and I'm like, I'm sure that is not what her intention was at all. Like she was just wanting me to know, but that's mm-hmm. what stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and like, I just remember that anytime I'd sort of like think about sex. I was like, Oh, mom oh, said it's, it's going to hurt. hurt. 
Well, and that's what a lot of girls, that's how a lot of young women are educated. It's all kind of that hymen based, like Mm -hmm. there's no conversation around pleasure. There's no explanation of the clitoris or its function, which is only for pleasure. Um, It's all about like, oh, well, when you go through with that initial act, like it's going to hurt and there's probably going to be blood and there's like, it it feels very scary. And, you know, and it's, it's going to result in one of two things. One is pregnancy. Two is a sexually transmitted disease on top of the fact that you are then a crumpled up flower that no longer holds any value. That's right. It's pretty dire. So it's pretty, it's a pretty dire situation, um, as presented from, yeah, that perspective. (laughs) Yeah. And there's just, it is no like positive light on it. And I mean, um, my, my parents did explain it as like, it is something that God created. It's a sacred expression of love and intimacy. And yes, it is all of that. Um, but there's so much of it that was missing in sharing what it, what it is, you know? Um, and so, um, the, my like teenage years, I don't really remember diving into learning more about sex or anything. I just sort of like shoved it to the side. Um, but then as I got older, I was like, well, I need to know. So, you know, like I didn't feel comfortable talking to my mum about it. So I went to Google, you know, no. and like, not a great way to learn about sex. <laughs> No, it's not. Oh my gosh. And I'll have to, I have to tell you guys this. So I had a a very similar experience and, uh, I, on top of it all, I was homeschooled. I don't, were you homeschooled? homeschooled. Okay, good. Okay. Yes. So we had, it was, it's a layered, it's a layered cake, um, a layered and complex cake. So yes. So I, uh, made it all the way to like, I think I was 16 or 17 and, I still, regardless of the fact that, you know, I had had people tell me early on that I had a very like sexual energy about me and that I was a Jezebel and all kinds of really pleasant things, um, Mm. were projected onto me, but I I was not sexually active until later, much later until I was like 19. And, uh, so 16, 17, I am babysitting some kids who I've been babysitting for years. I love them. Um, you know, and they're, they're at like soccer practice and the youngest one's down for a nap and all these things. And I'm sitting at a computer and I'm like, I'm 17 years old and I don't know what a BJ is. I'm like, I don't know what that means. So I like get on the computer and I Google it, not understanding that like search history is a thing. And so I'm like, okay, like I'm going to find out like what a BJ is so that I can like join in conversation with other like 17 and 18 year olds. Cause I have no clue. Sweet baby Kristen. And <laughs> And uh, so I'm like looking, I, you know, obviously I found out the information pretty quickly and, you know, go about my life. So then a few weeks later, um, these kids, mom messages me on Facebook and she says, Hey, um, and she's really vague and she's like, Hey, so I don't want to, um, she's like, I don't want to point fingers or like cast any blame or anything. She's like, but I was just really curious if you had been searching anything on our computer, um, because I was going through the search history and I found a couple of things. And so I like, I'm like a shit, like burning, Mm. like my face is burning. I'm sweating on my armpits and I confess. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I didn't know what a BJ was. So I just, I Googled it because I felt (laughs) like I should know. And I'm really sorry. I didn't. I wasn't thinking about like the fact that I was on your computer and I'm really sorry. And she goes, Oh, she was like, Oh, that's okay. And she kind of like was relieved. And she's like, unfortunately, that's not like what I was asking about. She's like, 
um, I think probably it's our, you know, 13 year old son who's curious about other things. <laughs> and Googled those things. She's like, that didn't, that wasn't what I was um, asking about. And I was like, oh man. You know? <laughs> so yeah, kids Google people, people check the search histories. Yeah. That's what all those jokes are about. Um, you know, so anyway, that's, <laughs> that just gives you an idea of like where I was at that time too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So swinging it back around, you didn't know, you know, you, you had no clue you're getting older and you're like, okay, I, I can't ask my mom. Um, I, I know that it's going to hurt. I know the very scientific, um, like most basic technical pieces of it. And now I want to know more. I'm going down, uh, the dark, dark Google rabbit hole and getting terrified. What happened after that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I remember doing that. And then even then, like, I still didn't really feel like I had um, a huge amount of knowledge. Like, I didn't even really know what the clitoris was. I didn't really know that it was uh, for pleasure. I didn't, re- I didn't know what an orgasm was. Like, you know, I didn't know that there was good in uh, a sexual experience, you know, because my uh, knowledge was it hurts, mm-hmm. um, you know. So <clears throat> it wasn't till... Um, I was with my now husband, um, that, you know, I started getting interested in sex. Um, cause I was like, okay, well, uh, that's, you know, the next thing when you love somebody as well, you want to be cl- as close as you possibly can be to them. Um, and so we got married at the young age of 21. Yes. As baby. you do when you're getting married so that you can have sex and not go to hell. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But it, but it did seem to work out. I will say in this scenario, your husband and you, um, from what I know are just a gorgeous couple have now been together for, was, did you just seven years? Did you just have a seven year anniversary, which is insane, but you guys have like used this opportunity, um, you know, that started off as a lot of young relationships do, but you guys have seemed to have really evolved and grown together, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then, so we got married and, um, you know, how we had our wedding day and we got to our wedding night, which is meant to be like a really exciting time. It was also scary as hell as well. (laughs) Um, and you know, we tried to have sex because all that we knew of sex was penetration, like Mm -hmm. penetrative sex. And, uh, we didn't know anything of foreplay. We knew nothing. So we just dove straight in. Trying just for penetration. Put it right in. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> no warm up. <laughs> Probably no lube. Uh, yep. Definitely yep. no lube. No. Okay. Yeah. Just 21 year olds sticking it in for the first time. Yeah. Not a lot of. Okay. Yeah. And look, yeah. it didn't go in. Um, right. You know, it's like this. It won't even. It won't even go in. It won't even go in. <laughs> nothing and you're like wait what do we do now this is sex like what are we gonna do (laughs) honestly pretty much like we were like what now you're like like, do we order room service and watch (laughs) movies like what do we that was it what are we gonna do (laughs) it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was like maybe we should just go to sleep (laughs) save this for another day (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll come back to this (laughs) and I was that was very anticlimactic really much that and I just re- we just remember going look we'll just cuddle we'll just cuddle. we know how to cuddle we'll cuddle <laughs> right at it <laughs> um so then we embarked on our honeymoon and we were we you know despite that we were in our little love bubble um but despite that 
and trying more things and experimenting with um, other forms of pleasure, we still couldn't achieve um, penetrative sex because for me, um, despite the amount of lube that we tried, despite, despite the amount of uh, fore, foreplay that we tried, um, I had this excruciating pain um, whenever he tried to penetrate me and oh felt like my vagina was being torn in half, Ugh. like all tearing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I know. It makes clenched just thinking You're like Ugh. yeah oh my gosh so wait so were you guys like as you go off on your honeymoon are you guys like sitting on a beach like googling like how to get it to go in and stuff like how are you figuring out you know because you're starting to work with uh, like foreplay and and lube and you like figure those things out pretty quickly so like where did you did you like ask anybody or did you just kind of like look around um, look I don't remember googling anything I just remember thinking why is it hurting I know it's meant to hurt the first time but really be hurting this bad Mm -hmm. um and then like I just then was like well this hurts and this sucks and I kind of just like like sort of like mentally emotionally just like retreated into like a little ball and was like Mm -hmm. well if this is what sex is like I'm not interested I don't want to do it yeah well, and, and of course not. Like if you feel like your vagina is being ripped open, like, no, <laughs> of course you wouldn't want to do that. It's not supposed to feel that way. Okay. Exactly. exactly. So this, so you found this out very quickly, like your first foray into sex, it hurts much like the belief that you held on to from childhood that it was going to hurt. Turns out it does. Yeah. Where do we go from here? When did you realize that like, you're like this amount of pain and what's happening, like this can't be, this can't be normal. Yeah, look, we like we kept trying um, during our honey- when we were on our honeymoon, um, but it just it just got too much for me, and I just remember thinking like I can't do this anymore. Like it's just this shouldn't be happening. I don't know why it's happening, but I also felt like incredibly ashamed because my the the um, teachings that I'd been given was you know with the purity culture stuff like if you remained pure and you know you kept your heart whole and you kept yourself sexually whole that when you get married like everything's going to be magical Mm -hmm. and blissfully wonderful and it was none of that right and it's like this is this is this gift this ultimate gift that is meant for your husband and you're supposed to give it to him and you're like how am I going to give him this gift if he can't even get it in there like what are we going to do yeah (laughs) exactly so you know I felt I felt ashamed because I was like I've done Mm. everything right I got told that this was meant to work um I felt um broken Mm -hmm. because the the sex education that I did have was that penetration equals sex right so that was I was like well that's what I'm meant to be able to do as a married woman and Mm -hmm. I can't do it like what what is left yeah you know um so we like we we struggled through that on our honeymoon we we tried other sort of ways to be intimate but I was really struggling because um there was that pain now that was associated with being intimate um and Mm -hmm. my my brain had sort of gone okay well this equals pain so we don't really want it um so I really struggled with wanting to be sexually intimate with my new husband who I was supposed to want to have sex with like all the time on my honeymoon because that's what I hear that everybody does right also movies portray that (laughs) they don't come out they come back from the island pasty white because they never left their room and you know all that stuff (laughs) 
exactly. So we, you know, we sort of, we didn't really talk about it a huge amount. I know my husband really struggled because we didn't really know what was going on. And, and he was like, what's, do you not love me? Like what's mm-hmm. going on? Really difficult for us. And um, I have always been a pretty closed off kind of person. I, I really struggle to trust people. So I just kind of bottled it up and put a lid on it and shoved it down deep and yeah. like, and well, and I'm we sure just, it felt to him like, you know, you guys got married and then you aren't into him anymore where it's like you had all that anticipation building and you were like right. so excited going into the the marriage and then you get married and you retreat understandably, but he doesn't understand where that's coming from and he feels rejected. Like, do you feel like you made a mistake? Do you not want to be here? Like what's going on? So I'm, I can imagine yeah. that being really, especially at that age, it's so oh, yeah. hard. Like when you're dealing with shame and embarrassment and all those things, like communication is not a thing that you have figured out by uh-uh. 21, like nope. not anyone that I know. <laughs> So I'm sure that that made it even harder. Definitely. Yeah. How did you guys, how did you break through that? Like how long did it take you to start working out of that? Um, um, we kind of pushed penetration to the side, um, for our honeymoon anyway. We got back, we started doing life again and, you know, we would try every now and again for penetration, but it just wasn't working. Um, I, I didn't really have the confidence or, or, and there was very limited information as well at that stage as well about painful sex. So I wasn't really Googling anything. Like I said, I just kind of bottled it up and just pushed it down. And we kind of just ignored that it was a problem and went on our merry way, (laughs) Uh, which is, is like, it's insane to think that we even like managed to do that. Um, I mean, the, the positive side of that was that, um, it did allow us to find other ways to be intimate. So, you know, we explored um, all the different ways that you can have sex, which isn't penetration, yes. which is not something that was taught to us. So it was something that we got to learn together mm. um, and explore that area together to explore things that we liked both together or separately. Um, and those, which was, so that was really good. And that was our form of intimacy. That was our form of sex um, whilst mm penetration wasn't possible for us. So I think this is an interesting, I I love that you said that because there are a a ton of women who have experienced or are currently experiencing um, pain during penetrative sex or have, have had some sort of um, issue with it. And it's very important to reiterate what Jasmine just said, which is that Um, penetrative sex is not the only form of sex. And that, I mean, that is what I was taught to. That's a generational thing, thing, I think as well. Um, because during the brief, uh, overview conversation I got where in, where in which a, an encyclopedia Britannica was involved, um, intercourse was the primary thing that was discussed and explained, um, from a really like scientific standpoint. So would you mind sharing? I know you said there was nothing you were uncomfortable talking about. I double checked beforehand. Would you mind sharing like some of the methods of um, just building intimacy and experiencing pleasure and things that you guys experimented with and got good at while you weren't able to experience pleasurable penetrative sex? Because I think women need to understand that there's so many options. Like there are so many ways in which you can be close to your partner and that you can engage and ways that you can experience pleasure and orgasm without penetration. Yeah, definitely. So, um, one thing that we sort of, we did kick off with straight away was we used our hands a lot. So, um, 
hand jobs. Um, my husband, he's like, loves to love. (laughs) So he was always, (laughs) yeah. So he's like the, he was the one that was sort of more, um, brave and confident, I guess, to try these things straight away. Um, and so that was something that we started off with straight away was using our hands and, um, you know, giving each other pleasure um, that way and, you know, finding different parts of our body that would give us pleasure as well. You know, like a lot of people don't know that, you know, like just because the the penis um, is a pleasure spot or the clitoris is a pleasure spot, but also there's so many other areas that mm-hmm. are pleasure spots as well. Like your nipples can be really um, pleasurable as well. Yeah. So it's like it's we just gave us opportunity to explore the body more and mm-hmm. and find different ways to uh, build anticipation or um, excite each other and that sort of thing. So um, we did hands a lot um, initially and then, you know, we started talking about do we want to try oral sex, mm-hmm. um, which I know for me was something that was always kind of looked down upon in my sex education. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then we, um, you know, and I like – because of my very limited sex education as well, the penis freaked me out. Of course, yeah. Uh, it's a scary one-eyed monster. Yeah. And if you suck on it, you're especially, a, you're like a very bad person. Yeah, <laughs> like, actually, that has exactly. nothing to do with getting pregnant or honoring the Lord. So, you know, BJs, as I found out what those meant, not, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, it's blowjob. Okay. <laughs> Now you don't have to go Google it on uh, the computer of the kids you babysit for. Cool. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you guys so- got into some oral stuff. You work through that. Now, as you're kind of experimenting and working on these, I'm sure that uh, some some discomfort, probably some shame and some things came up around certain things that you were never taught were like normal or acceptable. How did you, did you work through that pretty quickly since you guys were married and you could like have a conversation about it was, or was that something that took you a while to kind of process through as you went? So for me, it definitely took me a lot longer to process through specifically oral sex anyway. Um, because, I just wasn't sure about it. It like really, it was quite daunting to me. Um, and so it probably took me, it was like four years into our marriage before I was willing to give my husband a blow job. Um, and, um, once I crossed that bridge, it was fine. It was all good. You know, like obviously I didn't shrivel up and burst into flames. Nothing happened to you. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Your hair didn't fall out and you're, you know, nothing, nothing bad happened. Nothing cataclysmic happened. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, but we talked through that time, like my husband was aware that that was really scary for me and it was really daunting. So he did not pressure me whatsoever to do anything that I wasn't comfortable with. It was just in my time when I was ready. Um, And that was helpful because it took a lot of pressure off me Mm -hmm. having to do something that I didn't want to do. But he was down to, like, go down on you. He's like, I'm cool. Like, God and I are cool with this situation. Man, your husband, what a what a guy. I know. <laughs> I think we need some serious props right now. Your husband yeah. is an angel man. All right. Guys, take notes. <laughs> he communicated. He listened. He was patient. Uh, you know, took the lead on oral dictation. Like, the guy yeah. is stellar. Way to go. Way yeah. To go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so once we crossed that bridge, um, I mean, that was, 
that was, yeah, like I was fine with doing oral sex and that was now integrated into our intimate relationship and that was awesome. Um, and then well, I'm just trying to think when it was. It was probably our sixth year of marriage. Um, we were on holidays and I was listening to one of um, Morgan's podcasts um, mm. with her husband, Ron, and I remember her mentioning something about painful sex and then um, she used the word vaginismus and I was like, oh, that sounds like what I experienced. Like, what is that? Yes. Um, now, we were, we were actually road tripping in New Zealand um, in, in the country. So I had no Wi-Fi. And I was like, I need Google. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what vaginismus is. <laughs> you just have to exactly. go to the library and find a book. <laughs> We eventually found a cafe or a McDonald's or something, and oh, I hooked onto the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so that was good. good. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, that's really then what kicked off um, what I was obviously then mentally ready to start looking into resolving mm. my pain penetration yeah. um, that was occurring. Um, but it was something that like we had just sort of pushed to the side. Like I mentioned, we, in the first few years of marriage, every now and again, we would try, but then it just got to the point where, um, it was just too much and we just sort of didn't really talk about it. It was there, but we just didn't really talk about it. Um, and we just left it to the side. Um, and, and, you know, I something probably just switched in me and I was ready to explore that and go, okay, well, we need to find a resolution to this. Um, well, it's like when you heard her describe that, it's like the lights went on in your head and you were like, oh, like maybe there is, maybe there is an explanation, a logical explanation for what's going on with me and I'm not broken. And this is something that I can go and look at now because I have, I know yeah. what to call it. Um, I think that's really helpful. Did you, so Definitely. did you go see someone about it? Did you get a, a formal diagnosis or did you, you just like read about it and you were like, no, this is definitely what's going on with me. Yeah. So I read about it, was very confident that that what was going on with me still wasn't ready to go see a doctor though. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually confided in a couple of girlfriends and I was like, look, this is what's going on. Um, and they were like, you really do need to go see a doctor, mm -hmm. um, you know, and with them backing me, I was like, okay, I think I can go and see. And a those doctor. are good friends. That is the right reaction when someone yes. bears their soul to you and is like, listen, guys, this is what's happening. That is exactly what you should say. <laughs> exactly. The way to exactly. go support a friends also. Yeah. 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 So, um, one of my girlfriends, she had a really good doctor that she went and saw and she was like, look, you should go see her. She's really lovely. She's kind. And, you know, that's what I needed. I needed, you know, a gentle kind of person, um, because this was like so nerve wracking for me. And so, um, I, it was actually interestingly, um, during that process where I decided I need to go see the doctor and I need to get a, a formal diagnosis of what's going on. Um, that some memories actually resurfaced that I had forgotten about. Mm. Um, and the memory was actually of an accident that I had when I was uh, nine years old and I was um, playing at a, a public pool, community pool, and I was walking along the edge of the pool and I fell into the water, one leg in, the oh. other leg so it's I like falling on the side of the bathtub. It's like, oh, yeah. oh my God. Ugh. So I um, <clears throat> I cut what is called the um, perineum. So it's mm -hmm. this, the area from 
you know, between your butthole and your um, vagina. Yeah, and your vag, yeah. Yeah. So I cut that. And so I had to go get examined by doctors. I had to go to the emergency room. I had to have surgery to get stitched up. Oh, my God, to have your perineum (laughs) stitched up. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah, that's major. You're like, and you're like, never occurred to me that that might be connected to this whole situation. Never. Never. No. No, because we don't talk about <laughs> the nether regions. They're just forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just one of those things that I just forgotten about, but my body obviously didn't forget about it. You know, yeah. my body went through so much trauma oh. from that, um, which is what I believe, which is one of the key reasons which caused the vaginismus. Mm-hmm. Because the last time something was down there, it hurt and I had to have stitches. Yeah. And then it continued to hurt. And yeah. And it it built on that really deeply ingrained story you had that this is all, this all hurts pain. This equals pain. My my vagina, my vulva, that whole area, it's painful. It hurts, you know? Yeah. So, so I got like, not the good kind that was like, I'm like, (laughs) Like my badge is like pulsating for you. Yeah. It's like, oh, I know. Oh God. Okay. So you remembered that. So you went yeah. in to see the doctor and that as you're reviewing your history, I guess you're like, oh yeah, this really traumatic thing happened to me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I went and saw the doctor. She um, examined me, was pretty confident I had um, vaginismus. The next step was for me to go see a pelvic floor um, physiotherapist, um, which my doctor referred me to, and we have specialists um, in the town that I live in, which was really good. Um, So I was able to go and see um, a physiotherapist there. She, again, formally diagnosed me with vaginismus and created a treatment plan for me to overcome it, Um, and then... Also, during that time, I went and saw a gynecologist just to also yeah. it safe, make sure that everything was okay. Exactly. And Jasmine, exactly. can you, for all the listeners, because I, I, we keep throwing this word out here because we know what it is. Can you tell them what vaginismus, like what it technically, like what, did, what it is, what it means, yes. what it covers? Definitely. Yeah. So vaginismus refers to an involuntary muscle spasm in your vagina. So your vaginal canal, which is where you put a tampon or a penis or something, um, that if there is um, a memory of pain in that area, it will involuntarily clench, Mm. creating a wall-like area where nothing can enter. Hence the uh, the feeling that her badge was getting ripped open every time her husband tried to penetrate her. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Really magical. And, yeah, I know it is, isn't it? And yeah. I mean, a lot of women can describe it as either a tearing feeling or like a sandpaper kind of mm-hmm. feeling. A lot of women um, or people with vaginas um, do um, have different ways that they experience the pain. Um, for me, I experienced the tearing also because, which I discovered when I went and saw the gynecologist, that when I had my surgery from the accident, um, because I was nine, I wasn't being, I wasn't fully developed yet. I was still developing. Um, they actually sewed me a little bit too high. Mm. Um, so I had skin that was like, felt like it was tearing because I was sewn a little bit too much, you know, mm. so you were too that, closed. You didn't have the proper opening. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Wow. 
Okay. So that contributed um, also to to my vaginismus as well. So mm-hmm. so it's like something down there hurts and then the, the body goes, oh, that wasn't nice. Well, I'm going to stop anything from getting in because I don't want to experience pain. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a safety mechanism, you know, like yeah, it's, of course, yeah. protecting you. it's like, yeah. I'm here, I'm here for you. I'm keeping yeah. you safe. Well, and I, I actually just had a really great conversation last week um, with a friend of mine who is uh, a, a pelvic floor therapist. And so, and we're going to, so we're going to have that on as well. And um, which is really helpful, but she, we were just talking about how anytime that you experience pain during sex, that is a red flag to check out what's going on with you. It is not something that should be ignored. It is not something that should be pushed through or avoided or shoved under the rug. Like sex is supposed to feel good. Our bodies were designed for pleasure. They were designed to enjoy the activity of sex, the way that the pieces were all made to fit together so nicely. Like that was all for, you know, ergonomic, uh, value. Like that's all supposed to feel great. So when things hurt, we need to, we need to go into a state of inquiry and figure out why. And so like Jasmine is saying in this case, you know, her body was holding on to trauma. Um, and that was very much like, you know, this is, this is a no go. This is not happening. We're protecting ourselves, but that, that trauma can translate from all kinds of places. So you can be experiencing physical, um, repercussions from uh, emotional trauma and from spiritual trauma and from all kinds of other things. So your body definitely tries to protect you. It is infinitely wise and responds to all types of trauma in that way by shutting down. So anytime you're experiencing that, that is, it's not that you're broken. It's not that any, it's not that you're never going to be okay again. It's not that you're not even normal. It's just that you need to understand that that is a sign. That's a, a sign to ask questions and to start, you know, exploring why your body is trying to keep you safe and what it's trying to keep you safe from. Yeah, that's right. And I think also like our most common sex education is that it's going to hurt the first time, but that's incorrect. Yeah, it, it's not always it true. It shouldn't be hurting the first time. No. It should never be hurting the first time. If you are, if you've had the right amount of foreplay and you're mm-hmm. properly aroused, you've got good amount of lube, like yep. it should not hurt. It does not hurt unless you shove a dry, hard penis in there like Correct. that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the only time it hurts. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, I'm so glad you said that. I have, I have a major soapbox around the whole, um, sex education situation, but you know, there'll be many, many conversations about that. Um, so, so you, you finally, you have an answer to what's going on with you. You're like unlayering the ways in which your body, your poor body has taken it upon itself to protect you. You have a treatment plan. Um, so how long did it take from treatment plan to successful, pleasurable penetration with your husband? So it probably took about eight months for me, um, which, you know, it's different for everybody, but for me it was, um, eight months that was, um, going to the physiotherapist once like every four weeks. Um, I used what we call dilators, um, Mm -hmm. to stretch my vagina. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the treatment plan that I was put on and it's then it's learning to, um, teach your vagina that something entering it is okay. Mm. And it's safe. It's fine. 
Um, and then um, along that mix as well, I did go and see a sex and pleasure physio- uh, psychologist, sorry, mm. uh, to just sort of, I knew mentally I still had a few more things I wanted to work through. And so I, I wanted to go and see somebody to help with that a little bit more. Um, she gave me the best anatomy lesson I could ever have asked Love for. <laughs> she had like this um, plush toy that was a vulva. Yeah. And she, you know, was teaching me where the clitoris is properly yeah. and like all the sort of bits and pieces. And it was just fantastic. That's when you realize that the clitoris was more than just a button on the outside. Yeah. And yeah, it's shaped <laughs> exactly. more like a wishbone. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. yes. All of that. Um, and, and she challenged me to, uh, during my, um, dilating sessions to stretch my vagina she challenged me to introduce pleasure uh during Mm. those times that I was doing that so aka masturbation um because the vagina is actually flat when it's Mm. not aroused and when it is around aroused it inflates like a balloon so at this point in time I was just putting dilators into me when I was flat yeah and I was making progress with that and that was all good but I needed to go another layer Mm-hmm. Um, and so she really challenged me to explore pra- doing my dilating sessions, but also adding masturbation in with it yeah. to really help my body go, oh, okay, I get it. Like yeah. there's pleasure with this. It's not just something going in and that's it. And now let's remind the audience that because of your upbringing and the purity culture that you grew up in, masturbation is also a big no-no um, in in those teachings. It is very much um, something that is dirty and looked down upon and a way to kind of stoke your uh, carnal desires in a very like un- unpleasant way. Um, I actually... <laughs> My mom had, she did have a great analogy for it. It came from a loving place. I continue to say that. Um, but she basically, you know, getting, getting aroused in any way, uh, before you're prepared to have sex within the sacred confines of marriage is like building a fire in a house without a fireplace. The house is going to get burned down. (laughs) So, 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 or, you know, uh, masturbation goes strictly under the building, the fire in the middle of a living room without a chimney or anything, um, camp. So what did, what did that bring up for you? Like when she, when she introduced that concept to you as something that was going to be healing, was there a part of you that was like, yes, it's time. Like, we're just going to dive in and like, I'll do anything at this point. Or was it like, Ooh, that's a whole nother host of things that I now have to like process and work through before I can really implement that. Um, I would suggest it was a mix of the two, to be honest. I was, I had already really um, progressed in my thinking and my beliefs and understanding of sex and sexuality a lot through this process. So I was like, I'm, I'm not opposed to masturbation. I, I think it could be used as a good tool, but then there was that little part of me that was like, Oh, but I've been taught that it's wrong. It's shouldn't be used in marriage. You know, like that's what your husband's for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I wrestled with these thoughts and then I, you know, had an open conversation with my husband and I was like, well, look, this is what the psychologist reckons. And he's like, go for it. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, well, more, more points for the husband. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> He's like, sure, whatever, whatever you need. Yeah. He was like, I mean, he's so confident in himself. Like, yeah. So that it just wasn't a problem. He didn't think that I would replace him. Right. Because that doesn't, we know that doesn't happen. Like in a healthy, 
adult dynamic where there is communication and you're both participating equally, like, um, toys and masturbation and like all of these different things, they're all a, a part of a richer, broader, pleasurable experience and of taking autonomy of your own body and your own pleasure. Because yet again, the, 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 teachings around, you know, um, self-pleasuring being bad very much takes the power of pleasuring yourself out of your hands and puts it squarely on another person, which is something that, you know, as I deconstructed some of those, um, more toxic feeling, uh, beliefs and kind of rebuilt my own structure, that was one of the big things that I was really focused on. I was like, this, it doesn't, it never felt right to me that everything was basically saying, yeah, like you pleasure doesn't exist for you outside of this Mm, person. Like you're not, it doesn't belong to you, your body, your ability to feel good inside of your body and experience things inside of your body. Like none of that is for you. It's for this other person. And unless they're involved, you don't have access to it. Um, It's a very disempowering um, message. And I think it causes women to shrink and to, um, neglect their own needs and desires. So yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It does. It just, yeah, it just takes away all of that. So I dived, um, into masturbating and again, didn't burn or shrivel up and disappear from the face of the earth. (laughs) I didn't get sucked. You weren't struck by lightning. Yeah. (laughs) My lightning. (laughs) There was no Jasmine, you know, from the clouds. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and so so maybe so that opened you up to another realm of possibility yeah yeah Yeah, exactly so dived into that and that that's where I really started to make progress um because you it is so essential that you have pleasure um especially when you are going to explore penetrative sex you've you've got to have that pleasure associated with it it's just you can't do one without the other Mm. It's so phenomenal. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like everything, everything she says. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so as, as this is happening, like this is, you've, you've told this beautifully from like this experience of you, you're really on this quest to heal your body so that you can enjoy penetrative sex with your husband. But while this is happening, you're having this like beautiful unraveling deconstruction of so many of these kind of shameful fear-based beliefs around your sexuality and your pleasure and your body. When did that start to like rise to the surface in such a powerful way that you decided that you wanted to go into um, not only sexuality coaching, but you even, you called it conscious sexuality coaching. I would love to hear like, how that swing happened and then um, maybe define what conscious sexuality is for everybody listening. Okay. So um, once we were able to have penetrative sex and then we started on that journey together of a new way of us being intimate and exploring that area um, that I still was um, working through all that. And then it was probably about mm, maybe like six, seven months after that, um, that I had been working through all the, the deconstruction. I'd been reworking my thoughts, reworking my beliefs, um, what I thought was okay. And then I, I wanted to start talking about it. You know, I had, um, girlfriends that I was sharing my journey with, but I was like, well, 
surely if I've felt this, especially from someone that's been in the church as well, like I'm sure there's so many others out there that have been feeling the same thing, you know, and I'd been following other Instagram accounts where, uh, you know, people were talking about purity movement and the trauma that they'd experienced from the teachings that they'd received. Um, and I just thought, well, like, how can I, um, talk about this more? And I didn't really feel comfortable doing it on my own, like personal Instagram platform because it wasn't really the the place for it. Um, and so I started thinking, how can I share this more? And I was like, well, maybe I'll just start another, um, Instagram account for it. And I can just start talking about my own personal experience, my journey through, um, overcoming vaginismus. And I was like, well, okay, what am I going to call my account? You know, um, and I just, I started writing down, um, names in my journal and I was like, okay, well it has to be something about sexuality and, and what could I do? And then all of a sudden it just came to me and it was like conscious sexuality. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That works. All right. <laughs> I think that's good. And, yeah. um, for me, um, conscious sexuality. So we, we live in a very, um, male dominated world. Um, especially a sexually male dominated world. And so I think for me, um, women's sexuality gets pushed to the side and um, it's determined as not as important as Mm -hmm. a man's sexuality. Um, And that we don't care as much about sexuality because we're not necessarily as horny as guys are like 24 seven. Which is a myth, (laughs) which is a myth that that is something to spread around that guys have higher sex drives than women. And that has not been true in my personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was thinking, okay, well, women are sexual beings as well. Like, so for me, um, embracing a conscious sexual lifestyle was integrating my sexuality into every fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. and bringing it to the forefront of like everything that I do. Um, I don't know whether anyone's heard of the book called Pussy, a reclamation by um, Regina. I don't know how to say her last name, so I'm yeah. not going to attempt it. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> She's known as Mama Gina. Uh-huh. Um, and she encourages women to use a, your yoni, that's another term that um, women can call their vulva by, um, as their guide. So mm-hmm speak to her. Um, she will carry, she carries so much wisdom. She'll guide you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that saying like, go with your gut, yeah. well, you know, or, or that gut feeling that you might yeah. have, well, you know, like go our with gut- your yawn. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like our guts are like so close to like our womb space. Mm-hmm. Like, so like for women, like what if that's our, you know, I'm exploring like, what if that's our womb guiding us you know what if it's our pussy guiding us Mm -hmm. and so like conscious sexuality is just bringing my sexuality into the forefront of everything that I do um and understanding the carry the the power that I carry with it Mm -hmm. so that's like that's what conscious sexuality means to me it's not pushing my sexuality to the side for just my husband or just the bedroom it's bringing it in and using it literally in my day. It's leaning on the wisdom of that vital, like life 
giving life force part of yeah. you. Um, and for those of you listening, like the, sh- your chakras, like for those of you who are familiar with chakras, obviously your womb and your pussy and all of that stuff is very much involved in your, it's your sacral chakra. And so the sacral chakra is where life comes from, but it's all, it's where creativity comes from. And so when I am having conversations with women, about what it means to be more in touch with your sexuality. That doesn't mean that I think everyone should put on lingerie underneath of a trench coat (laughs) and heels and go like walk around, you know, like ready to do it at any second. Like, that's not what I mean by like reconnecting with sexuality. Like you don't have to go all pretty woman or anything. Like I am literally talking about embracing that energetic force where our sexuality comes from, which is also where our primary creativity and our passion and our like zest for life comes from. So to me, all of those things are interwoven and they all work together. So what Jasmine is saying, um, how I'm interpreting it is this, this concept of embracing a more conscious way of being with our sexuality is embracing all of the facets of it and how it impacts our bodies and the rest of our life outside of the bedroom. Exactly. Amazing. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> also, if you guys, I, I meant to mention it before because I'm obsessed with uh, all things exotic. If you're wondering where the lovely Jasmine is from, she's, she's an Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love, love Australian accents. I actually used to joke all the time. I was like, I would be, I would, I think that I would be so much more attractive if I had like an Australian accent. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think that would just take it over the top. <laughs> That's amazing. (laughs) Although it was pretty funny to be, this is totally a side note. It was funny to be traveling, um, you know, all around the world as Americans, you know, and I, I don't have an overly pronounced, um, Southern or Northern accent. And so they would be like, no, you sound like, you sound like a movie star. You sound like a movie star because I, and I was like, I never thought of it that way, but like someone with an American accent, cause I don't find them particularly appealing, which is probably true of most people. Like, I don't think Australians think that their accent is the sexiest one around. Um, but they were like, yeah, you sound like a movie star. And I was like, oh, like that, it made me feel good. But I was like, um, oh, I don't believe Like, I appreciate that. It did. Yeah. It's not name, but I appreciate that. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. I just felt like thanks for making space for that. <laughs> um, all right. So we're coming up on our time. I could literally, I could talk to you all day long, but um, one final thing that I wanted to talk about is yeah. as you've gotten into this work, coaching women through um, how to be more with themselves and utilize the the power of their sexuality for for good and for mm-hmm. their own um, you know personal growth. You also have recently tapped into this really powerful vein in your writing and some things about how the concept of um, virginity is very much potentially a social construct. And yes. this show is all about elevating, different perspectives and giving language and, and, and platform to, um, you know, different thoughts and beliefs and possibilities and ways of being. So I would, I would love to hear more just about your thought process and and what you mean by that and kind of, yeah, jump in that for me if you would. Okay. Well, um, virginity as a social construct. So like, as we mentioned, the purity movement, you know, being brought up in Christianity, 
um, you get told that you need to remain whole and, and that term means you need to stay a virgin. So somewhere along the lines, virginity has been created. Um, there is a really good gynecologist that I follow. Um, her name is Dr. Jen Gunter, and she just recently released a really good book called The Vagina Bible. Mm. And I'd started exploring this idea that the that virginity wasn't a thing. I'd started thinking, what is a hymen even for? Why is it there? Mm-hmm. And I, I received her book recently, and I knew that she would probably cover off on this very area. So I jumped straight into it and sure enough, like she's just like virginity, number one, it's not a thing. Yeah. It's a social construct. Mm-hmm. It's and the hymen doesn't even have anything to do with virginity. Medically speaking, mm-hmm. the, the hymen is a myth. Yeah. Why the hymen is there, they <laughs> don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Um speculation is that when um, you're a baby, the uh, tissue of the hymen is actually quite thick. Mm-hmm. So because as a baby, you do tend to crawl along the ground and things like that. So there's speculation that it is um, was used as like a protective barrier to stop any objects. For germs going into and vagina. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Bacteria, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. As you start growing up and you get older, your hymen actually thins out and it will either like just go away or, you know, break Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, we get older, we stand up, we are taller, so there's more distance with us between the ground. So we don't need that protective Mm. barrier so much anymore. Yeah. Um, The the other thing is that, like, I feel like we have this misconception that the the hymen is like a – like it's a total barrier to the vagina. (laughs) Which is not. Um, It's not – True. It's a, it, no, in better. fact, you have to kind of get up and in there to even get through it. So that's like, that's is, how I was confused yeah. about the fact that I had even lost my virginity until I had sex with the second person that I slept with. <laughs> I was just kind of like, no, this hurts. Let's stop. And, you know, and then uh, didn't realize that that was it until the next time. Then I was like, oh, well, guess I took care of that last time. <laughs> yeah. So like the there is already a hole in the hymen because like if there wasn't, you wouldn't have your period. Mm-hmm. like where it would where would it go as right. like a, a, it would be collecting way. behind there yeah. it's not yeah it's yeah. not like there's like this sheet of something like stretched across your opening and the second something pops through it it's like oh no like it's not like exactly. that. <laughs> well and I also find it interesting that um and I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go full hilt right now and Good. say that I find it interesting that the this like anatomical piece of your, of virginity somehow got stacked with the whole like holy sacred conversation. Like they're to me, they're very much two different things. Um, but that was something that kind of got carried over where it was like, your it was like, no, your hymen is your purity. That's how we know you're a virgin. Um, so, you know, it all got tied together, which there is no male equivalent of a hymen, which is how, whenever you said, you know, basically virginity is a social construct, I was like, holla, because there is no, like, there's no medical marvel. There's no sign when a guy goes and sticks his dick somewhere. It's not like, oh, your flower is crumpled forever and your damaged goods. Like that doesn't happen. Mm-mm. Even even in the church, in my experience, Correct. 
even in the church, it was kind of like there was this unspoken, although some, I think it was spoken some places, but there was a, an overall unspoken sense that if a guy screws up, it's because their sex drive is so high. Mm -hmm. It's because they had a weak moment. It's because blah, blah, blah. And they can pray that away and they can ask for forgiveness and whatever, but somehow it's not as big of a deal as if a girl is to go and have her hymen destroyed and, and lose her virginity. Like that there is a much bigger, um, emphasis placed on the women being entered than the men doing the penetrating. And so that, that's where I'm like, "Mm, this doesn't all add up. This doesn't It's like, yeah. Why is it a bigger deal for a female and less of a big deal for a male? Like where is, there's no, like, it's like males are up here. Women are down here. Like, well, and if you, if you have the conversation where it's like, okay, a couple is getting married, um, and the guy, like, it's not as big a deal. Like it, you can feel it. Like it's not as big a deal. If the guy has had previous sexual experience, it's kind of like, oh, he's still worthy of the girl who saved herself her whole life for this guy. Um, because boys will be boys and we don't actually expect them to make it to the altar without having penetrated something thing or someone. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, and I was like that, that always, I was like, that is jacked. That does not yeah. sit well with me. Um, yeah. and I do, I do right. want to say this because I, I think because this, this experience, this growing up in this culture, um, during my formative years, like that's obviously such a big piece of who I am, my experience of the world up to a certain point and how I became the person that I am doing the work that I'm doing. So obviously it's something that gets talked about often and people with similar stories are drawn to me. So I end up having a lot of conversations about this. And I do want to state for the record that I am not in any way, um, bashing or disparaging Christianity as a whole. Um, I am not at all shaming or, um, judging anyone who chooses to wait or save themselves until marriage, um, to have sex in a relationship like that to me, that is a conscious decision that should be, that should be made. I have plenty of friends who are, educated, brilliant, lovely women who did decide on their own that they wanted to wait for penetrative sex until they got married. I I have no opinion about that. I am not, Mm. I'm not bashing anyone for, for practicing that. In fact, I would love, and as you guys are listening, I would love to have a conversation with someone who chose to go that route of their own accord, not because it was forced on them, not because they were shamed into it. If it was a positive experience and it was something you chose for yourself or gifted to yourself, I want to talk about that. I want people to be able to hear that side as well. Um, Because like Jasmine and I are definitely coming from a place where it didn't feel like an empowering choice. In fact, it didn't feel like a choice at all. It was something that was forced on us, that was expected of us, that was um, very much uh, kind of like thumped into us from a place of fear and shame. And I, and it wasn't healthy. It didn't have a long-term healthy effect um, on either one of us. And so Mm -hmm. that we're sharing from that place. We're sharing from our very personal experiences and everyone's experience with this is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that just like there are people in the church who are educating this way, who are doing it very wrong. There are people out there who are doing it very well. And I just, 
I haven't talked to a lot of them. So it's true. <laughs> so if you're one of those people, please send me an email or a message um, because I would really love to talk to you and I would love to share that side of it as well so that you know, if there is a better balance or a better way to um, start linking sexuality and spirituality early on, that's something I'm really, really interested in. Like I'm Mm -hmm. pregnant with my daughter right now and I'm really, like I am still an extremely spiritual person. Um, Mm -hmm. I have no room or patience for religion at all, but Mm -hmm. um, spirituality, absolutely. And I think that spirituality and sexuality go hand in hand. And when I have Morgan C. Salon here, that's exactly (laughs) what talk about. Um, because it's really powerful. It is powerful. And sex is sacred and that relationship and, and pleasure is part of that. And so it's, it's a full, it is a full spectrum. It could be talked about forever and ever, but I I don't want people to walk away thinking that I'm just like hammering into Christians or that I hate the church or that, you know, um, because that, that is not true. A hundred percent. There are lots of nuances that have to be discussed in this conversation. So yeah. want to put that out there. Um, but Jasmine, tell me where you would like for people to find you and what kind of, um, what are you offering? How can, how can they work with you? If women are listening and they're like, this girl is totally my speed. I need to work with her. Like, what are you offering right now? How can they um, hook up with you? Okay, so um, if you're on Instagram, you can find me as at conscious sexuality, just one word, no dots, no underscores, nothing, just conscious sexuality, that's where I am. And um, also just this week, I launched my website, which is really exciting. Beautiful, by the way. She like this gorgeous black and white photo of Jasmine and her like super duper trendy bangs and her like black bathing suit and she looks fly as hell. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Everybody should check it out. We'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> so um, that is um, consciousexuality.com.au. So you can um, find me there. And as for what I'm offering, um, I'm still developing that at the moment. I haven't really nailed down really what I'm offering yet, um, but I am always open for conversation. So if anyone wants to chat, like just that's probably best way straight away at the moment is um, Instagram, just into my DMs. Slide um, into her DMs. Slide in. (laughs) And um, I'm always willing to chat. I'm, I'm always talking about like, lots of varied things over on the gram. So I am, ideas are churning in my head for what I'm, I'm going to bring. So, um, stay tuned basically. We're excited for it. We're really excited for it. Jasmine, thank you so much for being on the show and for being so open and lovely and willing to share your story and your experiences and use the word pussy in the correct way and all of the things. I'm really grateful for you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I love chatting to you. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Ann Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.